Welcome to your business education station. This is Mind Your Business Radio on TalkZone.com. Our mission is to educate women and people of color about the financial and legal aspects of business, personal finance, and changing your money mindset to create financial freedom. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Florence Seiler, CPA, and Attorney Althea DeVar-Johnson. Good morning. morning. How are you this morning? Good morning. Good morning. I hope you you guys out there are enjoying our theme music as much as we are. Oh, yes, because we are grooving. Yes, yeah. you should see us jamming at our intro music. Oh, yes. <laughs> I guess that's okay. I hope you all are tuned in today. We are going to talk about um, financial traps. Um, I am Dr. Florianne Seiler and my co-host, Althea DeBar Johnson. Attorney Althea DeBar Johnson. Don't forget you guys because she is really the one who keeps us on the path of all the legal aspects of all the financial things that we talk about. So that's very important that you know that I'm sitting here with a licensed attorney. Thank you very much. No problem. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Today we are talking about financial traps. Let me just say, guys, that there are a lot of financial traps out there, and we are a business education station, and so we want to alert you to a lot of things out there that you may want to avoid. And if you find yourself involved in one of these financial traps, hopefully we'll give you enough information so that you can figure your way out of that trap and you can make a better decision next time. You okay? know, when um, I when we were doing the research on this uh, uh, topic, thanks to our, our intern, Ms. Leah, I was reading through some of the statistics, and it's just been mind-boggling. Yes. And I've learned a lot, and it, it just really has been mind-boggling. I think that this is a show and a program that uh, everyone should be interested in, and they should do their own research and do something about get, not getting yourself in these financial traps. Well, since you mentioned it, Althea, um, some of the statistics, let's just go into the, some of the statistics before we start talking about some of the specific traps. Uh, one of the things that they, uh, one of the statistics that we have is the social and emotional um, uh, shopping, travel, cars, homes, and fashion. We know uh, one of the positive things about being African-American is we are emotional. But sometimes that also can be one of the negatives Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes down to it. We are a spiritual people, uh, but sometimes we can, there are some negative things that could uh, take place as a result of that. Uh, One of the statistics from the U.S. Census 2014, it says, while African-Americans represent 14.2% of the U.S. adult population, their households account for $1 trillion in discretionary spending. So we know that we have the money to spend, okay? But how are we spending that money? How are we spending How are we spending that money? Are we spending that money on expenses, things that don't have value a little bit later? Like I caution my uh, clients all the time about spending on credit cards for things that don't have value. You're not leveraging that interest. So if you're spending money on clothing and things that uh, depreciate as soon as you take them out the store, then you are you should not be using credit to purchase those things. I agree with I agree with you, but it it goes back to what you were saying that we are and more an emotional type um, people, 
and we spin based upon our emotions. Mm-hmm. And uh, like one of these other statistics are saying that um, it for African Americans especially, clothing and style is very important to yes, us. Yes, yes, yes. And we are 78% more likely than average to say that um, we no longer wear clothes that we wore last year because they're gone out of style. Now, you know, Althea, you know, we deal with a lot of young people and that's how they, that's how they roll nowadays. I'm, you know, you and I, I think we looking pretty good today and I've had these clothes for at least five or six years. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Look, and even our, our young intern is looking at us appalled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like you're wearing clothes five or six years old, you know, and that's the, that's the, that's the, uh, the thought of a young person is five or six year old clothes. Clothing? Isn't it out of style? Well, no, I, I, I think you look pretty good today out there. Thank you. So do you. Thank you. And uh, our clothes are pretty old, so we're looking pretty good. But <laughs> but I think yeah. I think that we kind of um, purchase clothes at, for value yes. and how they will last for the long haul. Exactly. It's okay to get stylish clothes, one or two pieces, but I think we do our spending a little bit differently than young people. And I and, and again, I I don't want to fault. Uh, our younger people, because I was young one time. And that's I, right. That's I did right. That uh, emotional and discretionary spending, but I know better now. Absolutely. And when you know better, you do better. It says there are thirty uh, African Americans are thirty nine percent more likely to say they like to get a new car every two or three years, further proving their desire to stay stylish and trendy. Now, let me just say that. Um, Oh, and they say owning a foreign car, of course, is more prestigious. But but let me just say, if if we can find these statistics, if our intern, who, by the way, is very smart, mm-hmm. but if she can find these statistics, you know that marketing people have these statistics, oh, right? Absolutely. And so if marketing people have these statistics, I challenge our listeners to pay attention, pay very close attention to how you are being marketed to. You are being marketed to based on this statistics, these statistics that we're talking about. Okay. So Althea, let's, let's get into the first really big financial trap. Okay. And the first trap that we want to talk about is payday loans. Oh my goodness. I know payday loans. Okay. Payday loans. And we'll talk about, we'll also get into uh, title loans. Okay. Yes. But every year between two and four percent of the U.S. population use payday and title loans. And so if anybody out there doesn't know what a payday loan is, uh, that is where you actually uh, go to a payday provider uh, and they give you a loan until your paycheck. OK. And if you don't know what a title loan is, of course, you surrender your title to your vehicle uh, and you receive cash. OK, so let's talk about what are the problems with those things. First of all, they are marketing to us right out there because oh. short term outlets outnumber Starbucks and McDonald's combined and they charge high interest rates. OK, and they engage in illegal collection tactics. tactics. Now, if it's illegal, why are they still able to get away with it? Because no one's reporting them. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. All right. And they prey on racial and minority groups. First of all, if you want your car, because they do have a, a, a solid a contract, they can uh, take your car. So they do have a solid contract. However, uh, the issue is, of course, 
that uh, they can still involve themselves in illegal collection tactics. And you're probably not going to report them. Why? Because you want your car back. You want your car back. Uh, why? You know you owe them. And you sign on the dotted line. Um, and I, I see a, quite a few of these types of institutions um, when I'm traveling about the Atlanta metropolitan uh, area. In fact, there I have two or three within a block. Okay. <laughs> Tags and it's paid Pay, pay now, I mean, loan, buy now, pay later. Mm-hmm. Um, these are leasing, uh, furnitures or leasing oh, yes. washers right. and dryers and, right. and TV set. Well, by the time you pay on that lease, you could have purchased a brand new, um, uh, product for your own. Oh, yes. Now that, that's another one. Matter of fact, you know, um, when we were preparing for the day, I didn't even really even consider the rent to own business but that's that's all part of the same type of type of trap all of these particular traps they result in charging people uh what we call usury right more than average interest rates for the use of the money and when you there is a formula there is a reason there is a logic behind borrowing money And the logic behind borrowing money is, people, that if you want to borrow money only for assets that will appreciate at a higher rate than the money that you are borrowing, that is when you what we call leverage. So the reason why it makes sense to borrow money for a home in normal market conditions is that your home appreciates. It goes up in value. Exactly. And so you're using other people's money to buy an asset that appreciates in value. And so you will be ahead of the game because you will own something that increases in value. And so you're not what what we call upside down. Upside down. In a loan because the value continues to increase and it's worth the interest. Uh, When you get into these other types of loans, the reason why it's a trap is because the interest rate is so high, right? Mm-hmm. It's not designed for you to get out. No. It's not designed for you to be able to pay your way out, never. right? No, it's never designed for, for <laughs> that, that purpose. But I think we, we kind of really need to focus on getting away from these type of, uh, pay traps or financial traps and, uh, do more, or engage ourselves with banks. We need to have mm-hmm. a relationship with a bank because, again, when you are able to cash your check at a bank, you start establishing relationship. Maybe start a, a savings uh, um, account there or some type of investment account there. That's when you start re- uh, developing relationship and you don't have to go to these types of places to borrow money or even to cash a check or to do any kind of financial business that you need to. Because, again, these financial traps that uh, Dr. Flo is talking about keep us further and further in debt. And so, Althea, a lot of the education, what you're talking about, a lot of the education means that we have to educate people about what it means to own a bank account. Yes. I can tell you that I have a relative in my family who doesn't trust banks. Yes. Okay. I They, they don't have any data, you know, no, no logic behind it. Her mother didn't trust banks, so she doesn't trust banks. 
And, you know, it's, and you, when you ask her why, she can't even explain why. Um, but there's this thing in our community about whether we can trust a bank or not. Here's the real deal, people. You can trust a bank a lot better than you can trust giving your money to a relative or putting it under your mattress, okay? Absolutely. It can burst. Right. You will not see it again. You will not see it again. Uh, you will not be able to keep tr- good track of your money. It will not grow. It will not, it will not, uh, earn any interest, even though the interest rate is low in the bank. It's not earning anything, anything. under your mattress. The fact is, if you're robbed, it's not insured. At least if the bank is robbed, your money is insured up to a hundred thousand dollars with no, FD- it's two fifty it's now. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. we done we done moved up. It's two fifty with the FDIC. So so what is there not to trust about a bank? The fact that it has to be reported or something to the IRS. Trust me, guys. The IRS has its ways of finding out. Oh yes. <laughs> what what it is that you have and what your if you ever get audited. Uh, there's ways other than tracing money through a bank to figure out what your taxes should have been. Matter of fact, the only way that you could ever stay off the radar with the government is that you earn all your money in cash and you pay everything in cash. And maybe there's not much of an audit trail, but there's still ways to find. Trust me, guys, I have an audit background. There's ways to find out what you earn. Right. It is not predicated on you having a bank account. So, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Time to take a break. Short break. <laughs> Go ahead, Alfie. But uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. All right. Thank you. Are you in need of a breakthrough? Maybe you only need a roadmap to connect the dots to your success. You know you're destined for greatness. Have you grown tired of trying to figure it out by yourself? Well, not for long. Welcome to Coach's Corner Elite, a digital magazine whose mission is to become your premier resource in connecting with many of the industry's top go-to coaches, consultants, leaders, and experts. I'm talking about movers and shakers from around the world who are willing to share their stories of struggle and triumph, as well as their systems for success so that you too can have hope. No matter where you stand in your journey, your search will be complete with Coach's Corner Elite. Visit our website, CoachesCornerElite.com. Join our mailing list today. Got mobile? Text Connect Me to 33444. Join us now. Coach's Corner Elite. Your experience awaits. BusyFolk.com is the dry cleaning pickup and drop off service for busy people like you. BusyFolk.com saves you tons of time. We can pick up and deliver to your job or your home. You decide. No more fighting traffic trying to pick up the kids and the dry cleaning before going home. One less trip means less money spent on gas. And we all know that time is money, right? We also offer wash and fold laundry service, and we work hard to make sure that our customers know that their satisfaction is our main priority. BusyFolk.com is only a click away. Find us by typing BusyFolk.com into your computer or smartphone. We currently pick up and deliver in the Atlanta area, serving Fulton, DeKalb, and Cobb counties. Visit BusyFolk.com to register for an account or to learn more. That's BusyFolk.com. Welcome back to Mind Your Business Radio on TalkZone.com. Here's Dr. Florence Seiler and Althea DeBar-Johnson. 
Well, good morning. Good morning, everybody. We've been talking about financial traps. Um, We're going to throw out a few more statistics on who is actually engaging in these payday loans, okay? It says basically that the education, 16% have post-secondary education. So only 16% of payday users are college educated, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The income, okay, it is disappointing disproportionately low income earners. All right. So 71% of people that use payday loans earn between 25,000 and 60,000 a year. And usually less. Yeah. And less. That's Mm -hmm. right. And, uh, 73% of them are women. Okay. Women with children, right? Because you know that uh, single parents are more likely to have those types of emergencies where Mm -hmm. they have to go to a payday loan. But here, here's what's interesting too. 68% 68% are between the age 18 and 34. So we are developing and having a pattern of going to these short-term uh, loan uh, situations or entities only to continue to keep ourselves in debt. Absolutely. And, of course, the, uh, who partakes in this this uh, behavior? 82% of them are minorities. 82%, 82% of minorities, okay? And, of course, we we go there um, because we have an emergency. And, and so this is how they work. The lender deposits the check after payday, okay? Mm-hmm. If the loan isn't repaid, you will uh, owe the loan plus interest. And, of course, NSF fees will pile up um as the lender continues to cash a check. So <laughs> they continue to ca- try to cash uh, mm-hmm. the paycheck. And if it doesn't check, if it doesn't, or if it doesn't um, uh, clear. clear, you got the NSF fees on top of that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you can pay a refinance charge to renew the loan. All right. And the APR, right. Yeah, that's the annual percentage rate Mm -hmm. for a payday loan often starts over 400 percent. Oh, yes. I I didn't even know that 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 was legal. But the way that they have it structured, it it, some kind of way they found a loophole right in the law and they're able to get around and do something like that. That's that's just crazy. I'm quite sure they have some of the biggest lobbyist um, firms assisting them so that they can get the laws to to van to take to take advantage to of, of other people. Okay now look guys we want you to call in on this show. If you'd like to join our conversation the phone phone lines are open. Call one eight 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 four six three six seven four eight that's triple eight go for it. Uh, we're taking your calls and we have a caller uh, right now. So we have caller Fred are you on the line? Yes, I am. Uh, good morning, Fred. What's your question? My question is: is uh, what advice would you give to somebody who um, who has one of these loans and is uh, either paying it or struggling to pay it? What would you advise them to do? Uh, I guess besides follow the terms, is there any anywhere they can go to get out of the loan, or is there a loophole that you know they might have to get out of that loan of paying those terms? Well, I can tell you, uh, I'll let Althea uh, speak from the legal standpoint, but I can tell you from a financial standpoint, really the only thing that you can do is uh, try to go and borrow money from another source uh, that has a lower interest rate. It may be that you uh, you try to get a bank, uh, you try to get a credit union, 
or even if you just shop around for another type of loan that has a lower interest rate, at least you'll be better off than continuing to be in the trap within the payday. And one of the things, guys, that we have to do that other cultures do on a regular basis is we have to support each other as family. A lot of foreigners come to our country, they pool their money together to do certain things, to either get out of certain situations or to invest in certain things. We, uh, uh, as minorities, have to learn that. We need to pool our money together. Yes. If you have a family member who's in a, a similar situation, you know, pool your money together, um, uh, help that person uh, to get out of that situation. Okay? Yeah. It is... It, because here's the problem, guys. When we find ourselves in financial traps, we are infringing on the legacy that we are leaving for our families, okay? And so I think if you have anything to say from a legal standpoint. Well, from a legal standpoint, you basically when you sign the contract, you just basically you are stuck with that. Unless there's some um, other issues going on, and most likely there aren't then you have to pay that, that loan back. But I think part of what we need to do is we need to learn to have some financial discipline. You have to set a budget and, and try to stick to it. We have to live a little bit below our means, and it may mean that we may need to get a second job in order to pay this loan back and then work on sticking with a written budget. I have a written budget that I look at every two weeks once I get paid. Okay. And I stick to that budget because it gives me the roadmap as to what I need to spend for and what I cannot spend for. Right. So so what Althea is saying is that, first of all, to avoid getting into one of these traps, we're, we need to do a budget. And we're going to discuss that a little bit further because that is deserves a lot more discussion. Oh, yes. But even if you find yourself in one of these traps, what Althea is saying is start somewhere. Decide that you are going to budget and you are going to find some pot of money that is going to help you get out of that financial trap. Yes. So if you cannot de- depend on family, if you are, if your credit is such that you cannot go get a loan, then maybe you can look within how you live and determine that, you know what? Instead of getting my nails done, instead of doing certain things, I'm going to use that money, that discretionary money, and I am going to get myself out of this trap. And it might mean that our families have to sacrifice for a little while. A little while. While we pay ourselves out of these types of traps, and then we can move forward and not get in them any further. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. It's going to take some sacrifice. Okay. All right. Um. Okay, Fred, thank you for calling. Thank you, Fred. Thank you guys for the information. All right, great, great. Okay, let's talk a little bit, just before we get off this subject, let's talk a little bit about the title loans because basically the title loans kind of work the same way except for now your car uh, is in jeopardy. Now, I I have, I, I personally know someone who found a family member in trouble and actually took her car um, and used the title to help a family member get a title loan. And, of course, that family member did not pay the loan back. Which is usually the case. Yes, which is usually the case. And the uh, title company uh, uh, 
took the title to her car and now she doesn't have a way to go back and forth to work. Now, you know, think about this, guys. Your car, in many cases, is your lifeline to go earn money, whether it's to get to work, uh, to to if you're self self-employed, to get wherever you need to get to make money. And so we are talking about uh, you are leveraging an asset that are is first of all already depreciating. Yes. And secondly, is needed for you to have a source of income. So that is why title loans are so devastating to a person is because you are leveraging that one asset that helps you make money most yes. of the times. If you don't own property, really the car is the only thing that's helping you, the only asset that's actually helping you earn money. And it's not really a real asset. And I guess the other question mm-hmm. becomes, do you owe on the, the loan to the, the auto, auto dealer mm-hmm. and now to the title loan person? <laughs> so you're paying for the, you've paid for the car twice. You're paying for the car twice. <laughs> Which again keeps you further and further in debt. Yes, right. So, so, so I guess really and truthfully, guys, what what Althea and I are trying to do is we actually we actually trying to get on the radio and shut these places down. We get, <laughs> I wish I mean if we get you know I would love it if we could broadcast all if this broadcast hit all over the country and people just stopped going and we just shut these places down. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be awesome. Yeah, just get these things out of the community. We'll work on the liquor stores later, but right now we're working on the title. <laughs> we're working on the payday loans and the title. We want them out the neighborhood. Then we'll work on the liquor stores. Okay, we'll do that later. Do you want let's go to our call? You can- all right. Uh, no. Let's okay. see. We well, we do want you to call. We're going to give you a number to call in. We want callers today. We want people to ask questions about what we're talking about. If you'd like to join our conversation, the phone lines are open. One eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. That's triple eight. Go for it. Now we want you to call in, and we want you to ask questions. But we want you to ask questions based on the topic that we're talking about today. Okay. Okay, because we know that you guys probably have a lot of really good questions uh, regarding finances, but they need to be related to our topic today. Yes. <laughs> so that we don't get off, because I think it's real easy for us to get off topic if you take us down another road, and we don't want to do that today. We want to stay on the topic of financial traps, okay? So we kind of covered payday loans, all right? Um, the next thing we and we've we've covered title loans, all right. So we've done that, and we've talked a little bit uh, about within that conversation about check cashing places, right? Sure. So so we want to talk to you guys about uh, being bankable. You had something you wanted to add, Althea? Well, uh, you know, we kind of try to focus some of our our uh, direction on our young people. And I guess maybe in our next segment, we're going to talk about the pre-debt, um, prepaid debit cards and mm-hmm. college students that all in one debit card. Okay. Oh, yes. You, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, they're target, yeah, we're going to talk about that because they're targeting our college they're, students. They're targeting our college students. And before you can even start your own career, you're already in debt. <laughs> Yeah, the, the 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 credit cards and the uh, yeah the ID the ID cards are attached now to the to the prepaid cards and all that kind of stuff. They're attaching everything. See, so, I'm, not, I'm not aware of this. Yeah, uh, the floor because 
when I was going to schools uh, many moon, moons ago, um, I didn't have a credit card and couldn't get one, couldn't afford to get one, uh, couldn't qualify. Right, right. That's true. That's true. That's true. So when we come back, guys, we will we will definitely cover that topic. We we're talking about right now. We're finishing up with title loans, uh, and we're finishing up with the um, with the check cash in places. Basically, um, the way that the check cash in places work, okay. Of course, you're paying to get your own money, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, if you had a bank account, you could just deposit that check and have 100% of whatever that your paycheck is or whatever that check is sure. that was written to you, sure. right? Mm-hmm. But because if you don't have a bank account or a banking relationship, now uh, you have to go to a check cash in place uh, and pay to actually get your cash. Right. The other problem is, guys, I've noticed this is now banks are even charging if you. So, for instance, let's just say out there your client wrote you a check mm-hmm. on a particular bank. If you're not a client of that bank and you go to that bank to cash a check, they're charging you a fee for cashing the check because you're not a customer. Yes. Yeah. So we'll I've talk had about that experience. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Then we'll get into these debit and credit cards. And uh, so it's time to take a short break, break, but stay tuned. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. You can file your own taxes. It's simple. Just click. If filing your own taxes is not for you, we've got you covered. Just click to reach a real CPA. Most advice is free, or you can hire a CPA if you're still convinced that tax preparation is just not for you. It's all right here on MyOwnTaxReturn.com. That's MyOwnTaxReturn.com. Are you in need of a breakthrough? Maybe you only need a roadmap to connect the dots to your success. You know you're destined for greatness. Have you grown tired of trying to figure it out by yourself? Well, not for long. Welcome to Coach's Corner Elite, a digital magazine whose mission is to become your premier resource in connecting with many of the industry's top go-to coaches, consultants, leaders, and experts. I'm talking about movers and shakers from around the world who are willing to share their stories of struggle and triumph, as well as their systems for success so that you too can have hope. No matter where you stand in your journey, your search will be complete with Coach's Corner Elite. Visit our website, CoachesCornerElite.com. Join our mailing list today. Got mobile? Text Connect Me to 33444. Join us now. Coach's Corner Elite. Your experience awaits. Welcome back to Mind Your Business Radio on TalkZone.com. Here's Dr. Florence Seiler and Althea DeBar-Johnson. Well, hello. We're back. We're back. We're back. It seems like we have some callers who are asking about credit cards, so we're just going to kind of get back into that. We're going to jump into that. Um, We're going to talk about, first, the prepaid debit cards and the college student all-in-one debit cards, okay? Matter of fact, our intern during the break was showing us um, her card uh, and explaining it to us because, of course, you know, um, Attorney Althea and I are not going to disclose our age on this show. Uh, but when we were in college, we had no, we did not no, know did about not. these things. And oh, so not at this all. is new to us. But one thing that we do know is that the colleges are pretty much 
making these cards mandatory. And uh, what our intern was showing us is that the debit card is actually attached uh, to her ID card. And so it's, there's really no choice for you uh, to have this card. But the one thing that I do know and I do uh, remember researching is that the these cards, uh, the schools are, are mandating these cards because the schools are actually making a lot of profits oh, yes. uh, off of these. So the, the card companies have gotten smart uh, and created another stream of revenue for the colleges. Yes. Uh, and so that's why the colleges are pushing these so hard. So, so the students are not necessarily trying to establish a bank account. Like when I was in college, uh, I tried to go to, I, well, I did go to the bank, establish a checking account. Mm-hmm. But with these car services to college students, with and without bank accounts, they can set this up. And then according to the statistic, the largest financial player is higher one. Oh, yeah. And they've been sued so many times, uh, Althea, it's not even funny. Oh, I didn't realize uh, that. Yeah, either. they have been sued a lot of times. And part of the issue is because they almost pretty much had a monopoly at first. I see. Um, before some of the other banks like Wells Fargo and stuff start jumping in. Um, but because they had a monopoly, they were charging all kind of crazy fees. And mm. so they've been sued so many times. But guess what? Apparently they make enough money because they're still out there, right? And they're still in the game. Higher one is still in the game. Um, but what they do um, out there, it's almost like, you know how PayPal works where you don't really need a, a, a bank account. PayPal will just hold your money until you need it. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what Hire One was doing. If a student didn't have a bank account, then the money just stayed with Hire One. Okay? Right. And we're talking about a lot of money because what the schools were doing, a lot of you college students who are listening, uh, when you when you get your financial aid, uh, you are entitled to the excess. So after the school is paid for that semester or quarter, whatever excess financial aid, you're entitled to that. You can use it on books or whatever uh, you want to use it for, or uh, you don't have to take it, but most students take it. Most and do. what is it? It winds up on the debit card. And most of the time, you don't have a choice. It, they, The school will tell you, you will refund your your student aid on this debit card. Right. So now you have that money sitting on the debit card. So now the only way you're going to access that money is you have to use that debit card. Yes. <laughs> yeah, or or you have to open up a bank account and have it transferred to that bank mm-hmm. account, right? right? So here's the thing. We want to encourage the students, if you are in this particular, uh, find yourself in this particular uh, predicament, do open up a bank account, okay? Do have a banking relationship and transfer that money to a bank, right? Right. So that you can use your banking debit card that doesn't charge the high fees yes. that this prepaid card will charge. Because they will charge you for swipe fees. They'll charge you for for taking it out. They'll charge you for all kind of fees. And activity fees, overdraft fees, ATM fees. activity too. Right. And we don't use it. And we load it fees. So you're going to get a fee when for, for it being active, and then you're going to get a fee for it being inactive. inactive. <laughs> so you can't win. You can't win. You can't win. So so here's the thing, uh, young people. You, when you find yourself in that situation, uh, you just have to know this is the way you get out is you open up your bank account, um, the bank account that hopefully your mom is putting money in, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you transfer that money uh, from that uh, from that prepaid debit card associated with your school. Yes. Move it into your bank account. And now 
usually the mainstream banks have stopped charging these particular fees. They have stopped charging the swipe fees and the inactivity fees and all that kind of stuff, right? You, yes, they have. So that's the way to get out of that. Okay. All right, good. So what else are we going to talk about here? We're going to talk about, uh, oh, no, please, we're going to talk about <laughs> oh, the lotto. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, well, let me, let me. Let me make a confession here. Yes. I do play the lottery. <laughs> okay. Okay. You do play the lottery. I, I yes. do play yes. the lottery. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, but I, I am very careful how I play the lottery. Okay. I don't spend an enormous amount of money. I may spend five dollars a week. So, so you treat the lotto like like Vegas. No. <laughs> are you? Are you? So, so, so is the lotto part of your budget? My five dollars? Yes. It's a part of my budget. I pay five dollars a week and okay, that's twenty dollars a month. Uh that's something maybe I I miss a lunch that week. Okay. Well here here's the problem guys with the lotto and um I am a periodic player, you know. Uh-huh. I, I'm one of those people that when you pass by the billboard and it's gotten up to fifty million then I'm like, okay, I need a ticket. Yeah. But other than that, you know, I don't have a weekly habit uh, for the lotto. And let me tell you why. It's not that I am a saint, okay? It's not that I am just uh, more disciplined than out there. Here, here, here's what I learned. Uh, my, my CPA practice in Florida, uh, when I was a partner of a public accounting firm, our firm used to be the auditors for the Powerball. And so we were prohibited from playing the lotto. Oh. Okay, so we were prohibited mm-hmm. from playing. We could not have a contract with the Powerball and play the lotto. And so we were prohibited. And everyone on staff was prohibited from playing the lottery because we were the ones that had to certify the numbers. Sure. And so we were prohibited from playing. Well, of course, you know, after a while, it just, you know, it's not even an issue. You, you know, if you're prohibited from playing, you want to keep your contract. <laughs> you know, you just don't play. And so it just became a discipline of mine not mm-hmm. to play the lottery. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I do get tempted when it, you know, you pass that billboard, 50 million, then I'm pulling in the gas station, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I go by the million, hundred million. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. But here's the, here's the problem. According to Dave Ramsey and Dave Ramsey does have some really good things to say about finances. Studies show that zip codes that spend four times what anyone else does on the lottery tickets are those in the lower income parts of town. Yes. So here's the problem again, guys. The people who are funding the lottery are not the attorney Althea DeBar Johnsons who with can afford to do it. <laughs> they are the people with the lowest income, the people who can't afford to play the lottery. And that's the problem. The people who can't afford to play the lottery are the people who are playing the lottery. I would. I wish I could stand at the lottery um, retail places and encourage people to put that dollar in a stock or some investment <laughs> as opposed because they have a better chance of that dollar growing uh, in an investment or a stock market than they do in hitting the lottery. Yes, they yes they do. And they said that also according to Dave Ramsey that statistically scholarships disproportionately go to the middle and upper class zip code. So it's the poor people who are spending or sending, really, the upper and middle class 
children to school. To so, so yeah. So the marketing of the lottery says play the lottery because your this money goes to school to fund to help the state pay for school. Okay, mm-hmm. but the problem is is that the way that they uh, the way that they distribute lottery funds is that the lottery funds are distributed based on your property tax value. Mm-hmm. And so the people who are wealthiest, who pay the most property taxes, get the largest proportion of lottery money for their school district. Right. The people who are paying for lottery tickets are the lower income people. So lower income people are Spending money to send wealthy people's kids to school. And they can (laughs) very well afford to send their kids to school. But these are some of the statistics that we find and the reality that we find ourselves in. Okay, so, you know, we have a caller on the phone. We have uh, have Dee from Florida. uh, And I think she has something. I'm, I'm interested in what she has to say. So, uh, Dee, are you there? Yes, ma'am. Good morning, Hi, and Dee. how are you? <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Good You're morning. on the air. Go ahead. Oh, I was just um, uh, calling. I don't wish to date myself uh, either, uh, like you, ladies. <laughs> I remember when I was um, first starting out in uh, college, um, I obviously did not have credit either. But I had a, a aunt who was a businesswoman herself. And she had always been saving for us. Consequently, we had maybe five, six hundred dollars in a savings account. You know, at those days, that was a lot of money. And what she did is she took us to the bank, uh, that she dealt with and they had what they called, uh, I was, I was trying to think of it, but I believe it was a passbook savings loan. Mm. Oh, Are you yeah. familiar with that? Yes. yes, and so yes. that's how you would um, uh, establish uh, some form of of uh, credit. You got a bank account. You started the relationship with the bank. Now, uh, of course, uh, after you, um, you know, it's similar, isn't it, to what you were referring to? I don't want to mislead anyone, but um, and I just wanted to make another point. If you could elaborate on on that and uh, kind of give me more clarification too as far as the passbook savings and if it is still being used i believe so by one of the banks that you mentioned uh, wells fargo and i think chase and um city has a similar program for college uh or anyone for that matter and then i do remember that there was a book that i learned from also it's called building wealth using the mm-hmm. tin can method you know, mm. by, uh, mm-hmm. remember uh, Marguerite Perkins? It's it's somewhat uh, um, based on those old traditions that we grew up with. Yes. Uh, ladies, yeah. that we don't want to date ourselves. But, you know, <laughs> we know it, but I still that, use them. Uh, <laughs> well, Dee, I, I appreciate what you're saying. One of the one of the things that I teach when I do seminars is yeah. I teach a financial freedom seminar. And I tell people, I show people a picture of five different jars and basically it's five ways to five different categories to put your money in. Some of those need to go in bank accounts and some of those need to go in other investments. So I appreciate what you're saying about the passbook savings. What I suggest to are because the, the products that banks have 
change quite often. Yes. And so what I would suggest to our to our listeners is that when you establish a banking relationship, you want to sit down with your banker and you want them to explain each exactly. type of their accounts. And you want them you want to be able to talk to your banker and tell them, look, I have a child in college. You know, this is what I want done. This is what they need. And have that banker explain to you exactly what products they have out there because the, you know, Passbook might still be out there, but there might be something even better than Passbook now. I'm not yes, sure. Ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You know, I agree. But, but, but the smart thing in what you're saying is that we need to at least sit down with our bank and figure out what products work best for us. We are yes. not in the business of what products work best for the bank. We are in the business of what products work best for our situation. And we are the consumer. We're the customer. We need to shop banks. So if yes. one bank doesn't offer something, we need to go to another bank and find out what they offer. Uh, and, and I can't say enough about having a credit union relationship because yes. a lot of credit unions yes. um, just, they really listen to their members and they create products that I think are, in my opinion, superior to some of the products that the banks have. And I think yes, the, which, this is a very important topic, and I think I appreciate you calling in and, and talking about this because we need to start somewhere. I, I have great-grandnieces, and that's, that's dating myself, um, who is 10 and 5-year-old. But we, I started a, a little savings account for them. And so each time they... Uh, get a, they have their birthdays or whatever the special occasion is. I, I send money to their, their saving account and they get so excited. But this is part of the education that we have to give our children to teach them and then get them disciplined to saving, to investing, and to understand the importance of careful buying or selective buying, whereas Whatever it is that we are buying is some of value, and those things that are aren't of value, we need to limit ourselves to. So Absolutely. thank you so much for that. That this Absolutely. conversation. Absolutely. Okay, so it, our producer says we're going to have to take a break. We're going to have to take a break. So uh, we have to take a break because that's what why we do with our producer and yes. what, what our intern tells us. So and we'll be right back. back. <laughs> You can file your own taxes. It's simple. Just click. If filing your own taxes is not for you, we've got you covered. Just click to reach a real CPA. Most advice is free. Or you can hire a CPA if you're still convinced that tax preparation is just not for you. It's all right here on MyOwnTaxReturn.com. That's MyOwnTaxReturn.com. BusyFolk.com is the dry cleaning pickup and drop-off service for busy people like you. BusyFolk.com saves you tons of time. We can pick up and deliver to your job or your home. You decide. No more fighting traffic trying to pick up the kids and the dry cleaning before going home. One less trip means less money spent on gas. And we all know that time is money, right? 
We also offer wash and fold laundry service, and we work hard to make sure that our customers know that their satisfaction is our main priority. BusyFolk.com is only a click away. Find us by typing BusyFolk.com into your computer or smartphone. We currently pick up and deliver in the Atlanta area, serving Fulton, DeKalb, and Cobb counties. Visit BusyFolk.com to register for an account or to learn more. That's BusyFolk.com. Welcome back to Mind Your Business Radio on TalkZone.com. Here's Dr. Florence Seiler and Althea DeBar-Johnson. Oh, hello. Are we back? Welcome, welcome, welcome back. Welcome back. Um, yeah, we have a couple of more callers on the line, and we'll take we'll take a couple of more calls, and then we, we're going to – there's a couple of other topics that we have to discuss before we let you go today because we, we want to make sure that we cover those. So we have a caller on the line. Caller, are you there? Yes, I'm here. And who is this? Who was? Who who do I have on the line? This is Shawana from Covington. Oh, hi, Shawana from Covington. What's your question? Yes, ma'am. I had a question pertaining to credit cards. Yes. Um, what other options can you offer people with poor or fair credit that are desperate to reestablish their credit by activating these unsecure high interest credit cards they receive in the mail? Oh, yeah. Good question, Shawana. Um, really and truthfully, uh, we're going to do a show a little later, a, a whole show on credit when we have Rob and back. Rob Wilson right? back, We have yes. Rob Wilson back. But the, but the thing about it is is that there are lots of uh, credit cards out there that will help you establish credit that don't have the high interest rates. And those cards are usually secured. Yes. Okay, secured credit cards. So what I would suggest you do is start with something small, a couple hundred dollars. Uh, go to a secured credit card company. Uh, go ahead and send them $200, and you will instantly have $200 worth of credit. Okay? Now, what you can do is you can take a few months. Uh, you, can, you can purchase something up to $100, $200. You can pay the minimum fee uh, for a couple of months, right? And... Of course, yeah, the, the credit card will have a, a little bit higher credit rate uh, credit rate than normal credit cards, but it won't be as high as those credit cards that are not secured. Yes. Okay? And so you can establish credit by having a few months' worth of track record of paying that secured credit card um, on time. Uh, also, there are banks and things like that that have different programs now to help you reestablish your credit. Some of them are giving you a loan uh, that's actually secured by maybe a CD or something like that. And then just the fact that you're paying that back on time uh, will help you establish credit. Now, when we have a show, uh, a full show on credit, uh, when we have Rob Wilson back, we'll get into that a little bit deeper. And that show is going to be in September, I believe. Uh, we were told it's 15th, the 15th of September. Uh, we'll have Rob Wilson back to discuss credit in detail because I have a whole different philosophy about credit. I, I don't. I think that there are, are some smart business decisions that you have to make and not be concerned about credit when you make those business decisions because they just don't make financial sense. Uh, and we're going to talk about that too because my philosophy is wealthy people don't even sit and worry about credit because. They're so rich they don't need to borrow money. But anyway, okay. <laughs> we'll talk about that uh, later. But thank you for calling, Shawana. Um, so we have another caller on the line. 
Um, uh, Arnelia, are you there? Yes. Okay, Arnelia, what is your question? Uh, my question was, was in regards to the credit reports, and it was just basically like how effective are the memorandums that you send to the financial collectors in regards to having things removed from your credit report? Um, uh -huh. I was, I was um, okay. so my coworkers, like if I send the memorandum to the financial collectors and tell them like, hey, I'm willing to give you this much to have this removed from my credit report, like how effective is that? Okay, well, we'll talk about that on September 15th, too, but the short answer is not very effective. <laughs> okay, there are a lot of people out here claiming to be able to correct your credit report, and they are not doing any more than what you would you would be able to do on your own if you took the time to do it. Yes. And so we will. I will make sure, Arnelia, that I put that down as a, to make sure that we touch on that uh, on the 15th of September when we have a full discussion on credit, Okay. All right, so um, we are going to talk about this final topic that is very, my, my co-host is extremely passionate about, and yes. I'm so glad because she helps a lot of clients avoid this trap. We're going to talk about what? At least we talk about it, and that is reverse mortgages. Reverse mortgages, the dreaded I, reverse mortgage. This is a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I yes. I just think that uh, we get into a lot of debt and financial, a financial trap when we sign up or we allow our uh, parents, elderly parents, to sign up for these reverse mortgages. Because usually... The reverse mortgages do not benefit that that individual. It usually benefits a child who wants to buy a car or uh, someone else who uh, needs to pay back their loan or debt or they're guaranteeing a loan or debt or uh, some bond money. Okay, okay. Uh, right. Or, or pay for somebody else's legal fees. So that's why they really, even though the advertisements say, uh, here, here's some money you can use in your retirement to help you be financially free when you're older. That's not what the money is usually used for. The people that are getting these mortgages, right? That's that's true. They're usually, bonding somebody out of jail or doing something. Yeah, else, right? and, and usually is the is the younger person who's trying to persuade um, <laughs> the, their parents or their grandmama or granddaddy to get these types of of, of uh, reverse mortgages, and then. Of course, with reverse mortgages, when the, when the parents die, if you're not able to pay back that full amount for uh, of that mortgage or that loan, then the property goes to the bank. Wow! So that's an asset. That's a legacy loss for your family. So, in other words, if I take out a reverse mortgage, and which you're not quite old enough. No, nah, yeah, but just. In a few years, if I take <laughs> if I take out a reverse mortgage, um, I what you're saying is I get money, but in order for someone to actually take that property back after I die, they have to pay. So let's just say I take out a hundred thousand dollars reverse mortgage, mm -hmm. and they send me a check for a hundred thousand dollars. What you're telling me, Althea, is after I die. Whoever wants that property, whatever heir wants that property, has to pay the mortgage company $100,000. There is no paying 500 a month. Oh, absolutely not. No, you have to pay back lump sum. Lump sum. $100,000 to keep that property. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yes. Okay, see, 
That is why it's a trap. Yeah, <laughs> okay. That's why because it's a trap. not many of us have a hundred thousand dollars sitting around. If we did, we wouldn't be in that situation. So and, um, and most times the, the value of the properties, if you if you get a loan for a hundred thousand dollars, the the value of the property probably was two hundred thousand dollars. So mm-hmm. you have lost a hundred thousand dollars. Yes. That makes sense. So you're not getting the money that you're getting from the reverse mortgage company is not the full value. Oh no. It's a, it's a very, very small percentage of the value of that property. Yes. Wow. Okay. Althea, this is look, I gotta do this because my co host, uh in you know, one thing that she's big on and this is why I appreciate her, is we have to tell you how to avoid Boy. this. Yes. Okay. How to avoid this. First of all, you have to have a vision. Yes. Okay. Uh, those of you all who know me personally out there know that I'm a Bible student. Uh, the Bible says uh, where the, there is no vision, the people perish. Okay. You have to have a vision. If you don't know what you're trying, if you're just living day to day and you don't have a financial picture, you don't have a vision for where you want to end up. Okay. If you fail to plan, if you if you if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. fail. So, you know. People who have excellent financial management skills, if they don't do it, they don't just wake up and do it. It is purpose-driven. Okay, purpose driven. It's a goal. You must have a budget. Have a budget, guys. I know you all don't like talking about budgets. Uh, I know last time we talked about budgets, um, and I know my clients don't like to talk about budgets. Call it something else then. Call it a financial plan. <laughs> Call it a goal. Oh, but it is what it, it is. is. You have to know where your money is going, and you have to know your income, and you have to figure out how to live below your means if you want to save or if you want to do some stuff, okay? I think we also need to live below our means. Yes. And we need to establish a relationship with our our bank institution. So if you have any bad checks out there, you can resolve those checks. You can resolve those check problems with the check systems and things like that, okay? So avoid all these traps that we talked about, guys. We want you to be financially strong and secure. So that's all for our show. We want to thank you for listening to to your business education station. It's about your business, your family, your life. Thank you. See you next week. (laughs) 